Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program where, again, we're going to be speaking about nature versus nurture. Please enjoy this clip. All right, listen carefully. This message tonight is to nurture your faith in God's character. That's what it is. If we believe not, present active indicative, dogmatically do not believe. The word isn't if we believe not, it's it's if we are unfaithful. Now, he cannot, or the Bible says, if we believe not, he abideth faithful. And that's a present active indicative. Then it says he cannot deny himself, and that's an aorist middle infinitive. Uh, uh, the middle voice means God produces the action of being who he is with his nature. And the infinitive is that's the purpose of his nature is to be faithful to who he is. So, Aris, middle, infinitive. Now, have you ever thought this over? Our unbelief does not make the word of God of none effect in Romans 3.3. 3. Now, non posse picare. What does it mean? That Jesus Christ, in his hypostatic union, his deity could not sin. Could not. That's his deity in his hypostatic union. Now, the second part is this. His humanity was able not to sin. Posse non picare. Now, Jesus Christ in his hypostatic union, two parts. His deity could not sin. His humanity was able not to sin. See, he was tempted in every single point like we are, like we have been. And he was tempted in every area, but his humanity was able not to sin. His deity could not sin, but his humanity was able not to. Why was his humanity able not to sin? Because he completely and totally trusted his humanity to God the Father's power provision for his human life. That's why. So because he trusted God the Father for the power, provision, and and spiritual ability for his humanity, he was able not to sin. Because he never had one single thought independent of the Father, independent of obedience. Now, the Bible says we have the ability not to sin. I'm not speaking sinless perfection. But we have the ability not to sin. Why? Because of the provision of God the Father through Jesus Christ and the Word of God keeping us. We are kept by the power of God in 1 Peter 1.5. And he keeps us from falling in Jude 24. So inside of our soul, when the Word of God has a hearing and a conception... 
and a development and the promises have a birth, we are able not to sin. But, if we are unfaithful, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now listen carefully. If we are unfaithful, the word of God is still true. That means that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no verbalness, nor sh- neither shadow, nor turning. Now that's James 1.17. Now, when God gives a gift, in that gift there is no veritableness, neither shadow nor turning. If we believe not are unfaithful, that doesn't change the blood on the mercy seat. Because the blood never comes off. You say, I don't, I don't feel safe lately. That doesn't change a thing. You say, I don't feel that I have, I don't have joy. That doesn't change a thing. Doesn't change a thing. You may lose your joy, but you can't lose your salvation. You know, there's never been one single Christian in the history of the world who's ever lost their salvation. You say, how about Judas with John 6, 7? He said he never had it. Jesus said, I've never known you. How about those false preachers, those cosmic evangelistic healers that had big crowds? In Matthew seven twenty to 23, Jesus said, I've never known you. He didn't say, I knew you for eight years. You stepped out on me. He said, I've never known you folks. You've prayed in my name, you've cast out demons in my name, you've done this in my name, and you've done that in my name the whole time you're doing it. I never knew you. So he said, depart from me into everlasting darkness, because I have never known you. You say, well, lately I haven't felt spiritual. That doesn't mean a thing. Not a thing. What makes you think that your feelings constitute something with God? I mean, did you ever feel dead? <laughs> now, you, you can't feel much if you're dead. I mean, if you're dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ, can you come to me and say, I feel so dead right now? <laughs> no, you reckon the, on the fact that you're dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says, if you're unfaithful, He cannot deny being faithful to you. Do you know why? You can't change His unconditional love just because of what you did. And you can't change His mercy. And you cannot change His grace. And you cannot change His forgiveness. See, you say, but what if somebody's unfaithful? 
That doesn't change their forgiveness. That doesn't change their forgiveness. They're still forgiven. They may be disciplined by God's mercy, but it doesn't change their forgiveness. Uh, my forgiveness isn't based upon my being faithful. My forgiveness is based upon the blood of Jesus Christ and my believing it. How many understand that? Now, uh, you say, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't feel this and I don't, I'm not sure lately. But listen. Your name is still in the Lamb's book of life, even if you're unfaithful. That's what this verse says. Let's say it together. If we, the original says, are unfaithful, he cannot deny himself, he abideth faithful. Say it. If we are unfaithful, he cannot deny himself, he abideth faithful. Now, would you agree with that? Well, you say, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't been doing well lately. That doesn't change anything about God. You, I mean, do, you, do you think God said, I gave them a gift. I'm having second thoughts. <laughs> All right. Every good gift comes from above. It doesn't come from, I've received gifts in my life that didn't come from above. Ah, well, 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 well. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Now, from the Father of lights in whom there is no what? Veritableness. No veritableness in God's gift. He doesn't give it today and, and say, now let's see, if you're a real good boy, I'll let you have that gift. In other words, you can start earning it. No? All right, let's remember this little outline. Number one. I forgot what number one was, but whatever number one was, let's remember number one. Now, if you are unfaithful, God, what? Cannot deny himself, he abides faithful. All right, for, number one, the blood is still on the what? That's right. You're covered by the blood because of God's faithfulness. Number two, your name, I think it's number two, was still written in the what? Lamb's book of life. All right? If you do not believe, forgiveness was executed when you did believe by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ cannot and will not take back the gift of forgiveness. All right, if you believe not, does that change the incorruptible Word of God that you were born into? No. doesn't change a thing. Oh, you don't have fellowship with God, and you grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit, and it's not like it was. You don't have fellowship with God, and, you, and you, there's an emptiness, and, it, and you're, you're wounded inside, and you do not feel faith, and you do not have promises living inside of you. There is no conception. There is no birth to the truth. But God abides faithful. Now listen. If you're unfaithful, do you think that stops Jesus Christ from still being your intercessor? No. He's still ever living to make intercession for you. 
So your unfaithfulness doesn't stop Jesus Christ from interceding in Hebrews 7, 25 and 26. Do you think that anybody could ever pluck you out of God's hand? John 10:28. Do you think that you can pluck yourself out of God's hand? No. When you believed and got saved, were you godly? Were you? No. Romans 4, 5 said, Your faith, I said Romans 4, 5 said, Your faith justified you when you were still what? Ungodly. Now, God imputed His righteousness to you apart from the law in Romans 4, 6 and apart from your works in Romans 4, 6. Now, I'm saying that God is immutable and never changes. Oh, when Abraham made that awful, terrible mistake of going in with Hagar, so unfaithful, did that change God's plan for Abraham? It would for the... Now, I, I'm quite, I'm quite Bible. I'm quite everything. Uh, let, let's forget. Just edit that out. Let me put it this way. Right-wing fundamentalism, and all not that way at all, but anybody that's a right-wing fundamentalist. Now, do you think that that crowd would like to have Abraham to be their spiritual daddy? <laughs> You don't know them. I was, in, I was in there ten years. You don't know them. Is Abraham the father of our faith? Did his unfaithfulness change God's mind about being the father of our faith? You say, how about, how about the Arabs? How about the Arabs? I'm not talking about the Arabs tonight. I'm getting in trouble if I talk about the Arabs. I'm not talking about the Jews tonight. I'm talking about that Abraham was unfaithful and God was faithful when he was unfaithful. And God, after 13 years of Abraham backsliding, said, I finally caught up with you. And Abraham was not speaking to God, so God did the, uh, the, the thing that made him a gentleman. He spoke to Abraham and said, walk before me. Oh, that kind. He broke the 13 years of silence. And uh, Moses goes 40 years, 40 years, runs away from God. Wouldn't you think in 40 years God could forget him and forget? <laughs> and God said, well, here comes the doctrine of patience. So I guess he'll be gone about 40 years. So. And, and maybe the angel, and maybe the angel said, "By the way, Lord, who are you going to use to lead out the Jewish people?" Oh, he said Moses. <laughs> no, but he doesn't want to be used. He murdered a he 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 murdered an Egyptian. Are you going to use Moses to lead? Yeah. How long? Oh, Thirty years from now. You mean you're going to let those people uh, be in bondage another 30 years? Yes. Why? Because I'm going to get Moses to lead them out. But he doesn't want to. He will when I get through with him. 
Well, doesn't his murdering the Egyptian disqualify him to do it? No. Oh, that's a pretty serious crime. I know it is. And he's been disciplined for it. But, but I can't change. I didn't call Moses because he was a good guy. He couldn't even speak properly. Who <laughs> at my people do this time? That's what he said to Pharaoh. What my people don't. And Pharaoh says, I want what people don't. Now, Moses had an impediment in his speech. And so did the Apostle Paul. Well, why did God use somebody with an impediment in his speech? And, and he used Moses, one of the great men of the Old Testament. Then he used the Apostle Paul. So he could get the glory if they were blessed. They couldn't say, he came from Harvard. They had to say, oh my God. Look up sometime when Moses wanted Aaron to do the talking. And he said, because I'm slow of speech, look up what he meant by slow of speech and you'll find out. He had a tremendous impediment in his speech. D.L. Moody didn't have an impediment. He just didn't know how to say it. He didn't know what impediment meant. Now, he was a wonderful, precious man of God. I'm only saying that to glorify God in the weak, in the abased, those that are not, to bring to naught something that was never there before. All right. So... Moses saw the burning bush. And here's an old burning bush that wouldn't be consumed by fire. In the desert? I thought everything burned up in the desert. And Moses had his shoes off. God told him to take his shoes off. And what was God telling Moses? I have no idea, but I, I, I can make some suggestions. I think he said, any old bush will do and you're just an old bush. Listen, who led the children of Israel out? Moses did. I, I told you this, this story in Jack Isles Church once. A, the teacher, Sunday school teacher said, Who led the children of Israel out of Egypt? Little kids said, It had to be Dr. Isles. <laughs> Listen, uh, don't you honestly think that when David killed Uriah, he thought it was all over? Don't you think for one solid year he couldn't talk to God? He said, my bones were waxing old. He said, I couldn't speak. He said, for one whole year I didn't want to talk to God and I didn't want anybody to talk to me. He killed a man and took his wife and committed adultery. Oh, he was unfaithful. And of course he was chastised. Of course he was. And sin always has to be chastened if a person will not respond to godly warnings. But the principle, 
emphasis tonight is this. David was so unfaithful to God at that stage of his life. But God couldn't deny him of mercy. God couldn't deny him of love. God couldn't deny him of forgiveness. Because that's who God is. And because Calvary took care of it through Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. So really, how can we emphasize enough the importance of nurturing our faith? We have been given a new nature, and we talked about that in the last program. And we're going to talk a lot about nurturing our faith. But that new nature that's given to us, just as we see in this life, that people have certain attributes that have been genetically passed down to them. They're born with that package, whatever that is of strengths and weaknesses, of characteristics, qualities, that those things need to be nurtured. What a difference it is when there's a nurturing environment versus some other kind of environment, which is oppressive, and that oppression causes there to be a depression in the soul, misshaping it, not allowing the soul to prosper and grow as it would in another environment where there's freedom and liberty. And so we have also... Now, one of the things I loved about that clip was the humor. There's nothing like hearing in freshness what, about what Jesus has said and what Jesus has done, but in such a way that you can receive it. And that's very important. And humor and that kind of communication, that... What we would say is spirit-filled communication, not dry academics. Communication that communicates what Jesus has said and what he's done in a fresh way. So we see, didn't we see many things in that message about things that would nurture our faith? Applying forgiveness, the the nature of Jesus Christ, that he had the ability not to sin. He, He did not sin. He would not sin. He had that ability that we as people are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's very important to understand. That provides for us an environment of forgiveness. And in that place where there's forgiveness, we can grow. And our faith can be nurtured. That our name is going to be, once it's written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's not going to be taken from there. There's a security that comes with that. That Jesus doesn't take anything back. Once he gives it. That is so important. What what an important principle. And so we, we hear these biblical principles. We see in the teaching of Jesus Christ. These principles. And when we hear them. And we understand. We begin to. We begin to build in our own way of thinking. A divine perspective. God's divine perspective. In order to be on the same page with God. 
We need to understand how he thinks and what he thinks about things. Now, this is not going to replace in any way a relationship, an active relationship of listening and speaking to God. And through that relationship, the interaction of a relationship, that is going to provide the nurturing environment. But there needs to be a basis for that relationship to be understood and to be experienced. And in that, we, we are hearing the truth about Jesus Christ. When we, Jesus is the way that we will understand the Father. He is the door. He is the truth. He is the life. And we're never going to have a relationship with the Father apart from this relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, when we never divorce truth from the relationship, when we never exit from our Christocentric theology and enter into this moralistic kind of works perspective, or seeing the Bible, we may see it through the eyes of grace, but we're seeing it from a purely academic perspective. And you may know people that seem to really know the scriptures. They can quote scripture after scripture, but they're not kind people. (laughs) And they don't seem to have life. And we don't want to judge, but we just want to say that we don't want to be that way. That, that, and, and in order to nurture others in their faith, which is our desire, is to be nurtured, but also to nurture others, is that we want to have life. We want to have humor. Although we go through difficult situations, know that God is trustworthy because of who he is and what he's done. He can be trusted. No one else in the world can be, including ourselves. And it's wise that we know that. But we know God can be trusted. Then there can be an environment of nurturing the new nature that God has given us. And we can have it when we're in, in a body of believers who, who functions this way. And we can provide it to others when we function this way. We'd love to hear from you. So please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. So maybe I don't know. I don't know where you come from in your life or what you've experienced about having a relationship with God. Did you know that it can be filled with humor and life and freshness and truth and adventure? That God has a desire that you would grow up in him in a healthy way, in, a, in, in, in the midst of an environment of freedom, not um, constricted by rules, but, but in truth, this relationship with God that is ongoing. Now, there's a place to begin this relationship, and it's not purely intellectual. There's a transaction that happens by faith with God, and it's by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is so important because the sin issue must be dealt with. It has been dealt with by God, but it must be on our end. We must enter in to the provision that God has provided for us in order to have this relationship with God restored. And that happens by receiving the fact that Jesus died on our behalf, that he was buried, that he rose again. When we receive 
and accept that truth and take it as being on our account. That he died not only for the sins of man, not only that he died a long time ago, but that he died for us. That he was buried, that he rose, and that we have that hope in him of salvation. Would you pray a prayer with me? Father, I believe today, I don't fully understand everything, but today I invest my faith in what Jesus has done. I receive that he died for me. I ask you, God, come into my life. Make me new. Make me whole. Restore me. Set me into your kingdom. And then put me around people that will nurture this new faith. Help me, God, I pray. And I ask these things, Father, in the matchless name of your Son, in Jesus' name.